my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is episode 277. And uh, the most important thing first, I know you're going to be like, ah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Today I'm wearing the Hawaiian shirt. If you're watching on YouTube, um, look, honestly, it's just way too hot in my studio to wear anything else. The flannel was a no-go. I tried it. I was sweating bullets. It's already honestly too hot for a shirt, period. So we're going with the Hawaiian shirt. A lot of people are going to watch this. I don't really care. It's comfortable. I'm probably going to wear one most of the season anyway. It's kind of becoming who I am. I wear them constantly anyway. Um, Get your pitchforks out, man. It's time for NFL predictions. That's it. Again, pitchforks because, oh, I can already feel. And it doesn't bother me too much. Like, I'm going to say what I say, and I believe what I believe, and I did a lot of research, and I just am I'm emotionally prepared for people to get incredibly mad uh, if I say their team is bad. And even if it's unreasonable for people to get mad, they're going to get mad. And I don't really care. It's what I do. But I just I encourage you, if you have a pitchfork, get it out, get ready, and you can join an angry mob of people that are mad at me because I, I don't really mind that. <laughs> um, this episode is dedicated to the AFC. That's the AFC North, South, East, West teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, who else is in it? You know, the, the Buffalo Bills we'll talk about a lot. I love them. The AFC. Tomorrow is the episode about the NFC. Now, I want it noted. I do not just look at an NFL team and then pick a random win-loss record. I don't just go, oh, uh, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. That's a 13-3 and season. And ah, the Jaguars, they're terrible. 0-16. Oh, I don't just pick a number and throw it out there. I very carefully and very intentionally go through the entire NFL schedule, and I pick a winner for every single game. It takes about a day and a half. It literally is, it's a ton. And that's a day and a half, not of like goofing around. That's a day and a half at my desk, very meticulously looking at my notes, making sure, comparing teams and who's got who and yada yada. There are also only 256 wins to go around the entire NFL. You cannot, you simply, it's mathematically not possible to have every single team win 10 games in an NFL season. Somebody, in order for somebody to win, another team has to lose. Therefore, there's going to be good teams and bad teams. And so there's always some give and take in the NFL schedule. It's just not possible to have a bunch of good teams. I think if you don't do the mathematical work, your predictions are kind of meaningless because you could be throwing out things that aren't even mathematically possible. Again, 256 wins. That's all you can have throughout the entire NFL. Again, I go through every single game. I pick a winner. Then I count up the results of each, each team at the end. And I'll be honest, there are times when I go through the schedule and I count up a team's record and I go, that's surprising to me. It's like, I, I, I did not expect the Cardinals to do blank or this team to do blank. But again, I stick with it because I, I did my research. I, I took me a day and a half to go through this and stuff. So I, I just want you to know I work really hard at this. I take it very seriously. I take my time. I hope people respect that. Uh, I'm not just throwing out random numbers. Again, there's only 256 wins to go around. And I got to say, part of what I find fun about NFL predictions is that I just love comparing my predictions to the reality of what actually happens. Who exceeds the expectation? What team is like, we're expecting them to be bad and they're actually good? Or what players are better than we expect? Or, you know, what am I going to be wrong about? I have no problem. My ego's not in the way. It's fun to talk about and fun to analyze. Oh, wow, I just got X wrong. There was X thing, and I just was completely wrong about it. 
what if Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears quarterback, is actually just amazing in 2020? I don't believe that's going to happen, but if it is, we'll talk about it. I'm not going to shy away from, wow, I cannot believe I, I was totally wrong about this thing. And I think that's incredibly important if you're going to make predictions. It's okay to be wrong. I don't mind it. Uh, it's kind of fun to keep track of actually where I get things wrong, and I, I don't mind that at all. Um, and there are some things that simply cannot be predicted. I mean, who knows who's going to get injured? And then not to mention, like, Andrew Luck last year. Andrew Luck, the franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts last year, suddenly retired. And it ruined my entire prediction for not just the Indianapolis Colts, but the entire AFC South. I was like, wow, this is a gigantic mess. And so this time, I waited as long as I possibly could. Uh, you know, 53 rosters, 53-man rosters are finalized. We kind of pretty much know, we have a good sense of, and really as good as we could possibly have of what every single roster is going to be this year. And so I'm just so excited, man. The NFL season is going to be incredible. I love tracking the storylines. It's so much fun. And I hope you enjoy it as well. Because I just, for me, it's just going to be a blast to watch football this year in 2020. Um, and I'm, I'm just glad you're here for the ride. It's going to be really fun. Let's jump in to talk about the, let's talk about the AFC East first. I want to start with the Buffalo Bills. So as I drink my my juice, which is good for your throat, apparently. I think it really just makes me acid reflexy, but whatever. I believe that the Buffalo Bills are going to go 12-4 and four this year. And look, I, I'm buying what the Bills are selling. Their young quarterback, Josh Allen, just keeps getting better and better and better. And I'm expecting him to take another leap forward this year in 2020. You know, a couple of years ago in 2018, there were a ton of quarterbacks picked in the NFL draft. And in my opinion, right now, today, Josh Allen is the second best quarterback taken in the 2018 draft class behind only Lamar Jackson, who won an NFL MVP last year. So again, I expect Josh Allen to keep getting better and better and make a big leap forward this year. They traded for receiver Stephon Diggs. That's a big move. Again, I like the aggressiveness. The Buffalo Bills are like, hey, we're going for broke. It actually really reminds me of the LA Rams a couple of years ago when they had a young quarterback, Jared Goff. And they made some trades, and they wheeled and dealed, and they got a really good team around him, and they made a Super Bowl run. I think that's a similar feel with the Buffalo Bills this year. I love their running back, Devin Singletary. He runs well. He can catch. He runs well outside. He's fun to watch. I really like Devin Singletary. And the Bills keep making progress. I love, love their defense. Their two best players, in my opinion, on defense are, number one, young linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. He is a stud. And then corner Tredavious White just got a gigantic contract extension. He's a lockdown corner. He's awesome. And there's just a lot of quality players here on defense for the Buffalo Bills. You have D-tackle Ed Oliver. You have two good safeties, Jordan Poyer, uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. They also have Josh Norman on this team. He's a corner who's a veteran. I'm not sure that Josh Norman's going to start. He's actually been injured a little bit during training camp. Uh, but I'm curious, will Josh Norman have an impact? And if so... How big of an impact? Because Josh Norman of a couple of years ago was a lockdown corner. And if he gets his name called, I think he can contribute for a game or two if somebody gets hurt. I'm really excited and curious if he's going to have any kind of impact. But to me, again, I really believe this is the Buffalo Bills division to lose, the AFC East. And you look at them last year, the Bills really should have beat the Patriots last year. They had two really close games. And now the Bills are way better and the Patriots are, I think, way worse. And so 
the math to me adds up. The Bills had better win the AFC East this year. And I got to say, I've been really impressed with their coaching staff as well. Head coach Sean McDermott is awesome. I love the defensive coordinator in Buffalo, Leslie Frazier. He's a former Vikings head coach. He studied under Tony Dungy with the Colts in Indianapolis. Yeah, the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, he was the OC at Alabama under Nick Saban. And I want to say, too, a big game for the Bills is Week 13. They go to San Francisco against the 49ers at San Francisco. Can they go to San Francisco? Can they go to the Bay and beat the 49ers? That would be a massive, massive statement win for the Buffalo Bills. If they win that game Week 13 at San Francisco, I would be very, very impressed. Again, I have the Bills going 12-4. and They're a way better team, and they were good last year. I think they're going to dominate the AFC East, and I'd be surprised if they didn't win their division. Now, I have the New England Patriots going 9-7 and seven in 2020. Nine wins, seven losses. And to me, that kind of just squeaks them into the playoffs just barely. There's seven playoff teams this year. There's three wildcard teams. I believe the Patriots will make it in. Um, everyone's going to talk about the fact that Tom Brady, their future Hall of Fame quarterback, left the team. He went to Tampa Bay. Honestly, I I know this is weird, but I think it's a little bit overstated because people need to realize the Patriots' new quarterback, Cam Newton, first of all, he's more similar to Brady than people realize. And he's a great quarterback with throwing stuff underneath. He's very similar in the style of play to Tom Brady, other than the fact that, hey, I think he can run a lot better. But Cam is a great fit in New England. No one's talking about that. It's kind of annoying, kind of weird. But the problem with the Patriots is not Cam Newton. It's nothing to do with the quarterback. The problem is the rest of the roster. They got absolutely nerfed. Uh, Their defense has really been downgraded. They lost linebacker Kyle Van Noy to Miami. They lost linebacker Jamie Collins to Detroit. They traded safety Duran Herman to uh, Detroit as well. Then additionally, the Patriots have lost a bunch of players who decided to opt out of the 2020 season due to coronavirus concerns. You have linebacker Dante Hightower. He opted out, along with safety Patrick Chung, receiver Marquise Lee, offensive tackle Marcus Cannon, fullback Danny Vitale. A bunch of key players are gone from the Patriots. That's a massive thing. You can't just replace them. Even Bill Belichick, I love him. I don't know that he can replace the players he's lost This offseason, their entire linebacking core from last year is not going to play this year. That's a big deal. Now, the Patriots do still have corner Stephon Gilmore. They have safety Devin McCourty. And they do have some solid offensive players. I like Sony Michelle, the running back. They have James White, another good running back who's good at catching out of the backfield. Cam Newton is going to love throwing to him. It reminds me a little bit of, and, and comparable is not really, they're not comparable But the skill set is similar where Christian McCaffrey caught the ball a lot out of the backfields from Cam Newton. I think James White is going to play a similar role for Cam Newton in his head. Like, oh, I got a guy I can check down to. We can catch the ball a little bit. It's going to be fun to watch. There's also two receivers I like in New England. You have Julian Edelman, a former Super Bowl MVP. We know who he is. And then there's the second-year receiver, Nikhil Harry, who battled injuries a lot last year, but had some promising play a couple times, had a couple big catches. And I think Nikhil Harry is going to make another step forward this year in his second year and get even better. Not to mention, you have left tackle Isaiah Wynn, who's back to full strength. He missed a lot of time last year injured. So the Patriots are not nothing, 
But as a team, they definitely are a shell of what they used to be. I don't care that they lost Brady. Again, it doesn't matter. Cam is going to be solid at quarterback. He's a, he, he can do the job. But the defense simply lost too many players, in my opinion, that cannot be replaced. Now, there's one thing. I'm happy to be wrong about this. I'm happy to be. I predict the Patriots to go 9-7. and seven. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't mind that. I personally think they lost too many players to recover and turn that into a great, amazing AFC East winning year. But let's be honest. The Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, is nothing other than a wizard. He's incredible. And if anybody can win a ton of games this year with the roster they have in place, it is Bill Belichick. So we'll see. Still, I see them at 9-7. and seven. But it's going to be fun to watch the Patriots regardless. Again, I like Cam Newton, and I think it'd be interesting. If he can win with this roster, it's done. I mean, you'll, no one can ever say Bill Belichick's— Bill Belichick's got an undoubted resume anyway, but it'd be one of the most impressive things he's ever done is if he can dominate with this 2020 roster. I don't think he can because I don't think it's possible, but we'll find out. If anybody can do it, it's Bill Belichick. All right. I believe the Miami Dolphins are going to go 7-9 and nine in 2020. I really love this team. It seems like they're building something in Miami. I'm really glad, first of all, they named Ryan Fitzpatrick, their starting quarterback, a longtime NFL veteran. He was their starting quarterback last year. The good news to me is that they do not appear to be in a hurry to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick and make Tua Tungvaloa their rookie quarterback, their starting QB. It's so good to see that. Let the young rookie QB learn. There's no rush. Let him sit around. Let him learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's no hurry to get him onto the field. And the Dolphins have added some key players this offseason. I really like the moves they made this year. They added offensive lineman Eric Flowers. They signed corner Byron Jones. They also signed linebacker Kyle Van Noy. Then you look at, well, their defense is solid. They have another corner, Xavier Howard, I like. Uh, Christian Wilkins is a stud on the defensive line. The dude just loves football. Watch. There's a clip of Christian Wilkins going, Wooey, I can't believe this is my job. Like, he's so happy he gets to play football and make money doing it. That's awesome to me. I love Christian Wilkins. And so, as a whole, um, I feel excited about the Dolphins' defense. They're making progress. They have three interesting running backs. They added Jordan Howard from Philly. They got Matt Brieta from the 49ers. They also just traded for rookie Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden Jr., I guess is his full name. He's an athlete. He kind of lines up everywhere. He can play receiver. He can play running back. He played a little bit of quarterback in college. Maybe he'll be a Wildcat quarterback. Interesting, interesting player. And very weird. I'll talk to Brett Coleman tomorrow on the show about you know, why did the Raiders trade away Lynn Bowden? I have no idea. But it's interesting the Dolphins got him. He seems like a good athlete and a good playmaker. I like receiver Devontae Parker. Uh, Jakeem Grant can play as well. And some people predicted the Dolphins to be last in their division, last in the AFC East. And that's crazy to me. I, just, I don't know how you can predict the Dolphins to be last in their division. It just doesn't work to me. It doesn't compute. Because I see this team as 7-9, and nine, better than the Jets. Like, how can you say they're worse than the Jets? I have no idea. And again, 7-9... and nine, May not be, woo, that's so exciting for Miami, but I think it's going to be a very competitive 7-9, and nine, where it's a year of progress. Maybe we'll see a quarterback change. 
But all in all, I love what Miami's doing. The core of their roster, the moves they've made, the direction they're headed. If I'm wrong about one team, it very well is possible I'm very wrong about the Miami Dolphins. They could easily exceed my expectations, especially if New England has problems and gets hurt worse than I expect. So I love what Miami's doing. I love their head coach, Brian Flores. I see them at 7-9. and nine. I, hope I've said, I hope I've been saying 7-9. and nine. I see the Dolphins at 7-9, and nine, and it's one of the few teams I'm like, you know what? They could very easily exceed expectations if they gel better than we think, and if Fitzpatrick plays well, and the new additions are a gigantic hit. So go watch the Dolphins. It'll be fun to watch, but I see them currently at 7-9. and nine. Oh, boy. Um, let's talk about the New York Jets. Do I have to? I have the Jets going 3-13 and 13 in 2020. Number one, their defense is just not in good shape. Defensive lineman Quinn and Williams stands out, but other than that, what also stands out are the people who will not be playing for the Jets this fall. So first of all, the Jets' big move in free agency this offseason was to sign linebacker C.J. Mosley. Well, uh, he's not going to be playing this fall because he opted out due to COVID concerns. Now, the Jets also traded away safety Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. And, yeah, they have some all right players in their secondary. But losing Jamal Adams, the best safety in football, that's still a massive, massive loss. And it's just going to be really hard. You can't replace Jamal Adams. It just isn't possible. And this year is going to have a lot of growing pains for the New York Jets. However, I will say this. There are still some things to be excited about in New York with the Jets. So it's going to be fun to watch rookie receiver Denzel Mims play with the young QB Sam Darnold. That'll be fun. That'll be a highlight. They still have Le'Veon Bell, a good running back. They drafted Mekhi Becton, a left tackle, in the first round of the NFL draft. They also added receiver Brashad Perryman. I'm curious if he's going to be any good. You know, he's on his fourth team in five years. He's only been in the league five years. That's a big deal. But he is a former first-round pick, and I'm curious, can Brashad Perryman make an impact downfield? We'll find out. It'll be interesting. But I'm not real confident he can. Now, in some areas, the Jets did get better this offseason. But unfortunately, I do not believe they improved enough to win. And it's just sad. I mean, their, their offensive line still has problems. Uh, Mekhi Becton is a rookie. I don't think he's going to play great week one. And the defense just really, really concerns me in New York. I don't have a lot of reasons to feel confident in the Jets. Again, Sam Darnold and Denzel Mims, hopefully that's a really fun, young, dynamic duo. But otherwise, I can't find a gigantic list of reasons why the Jets are going to be a fun team worth watching this year. And I see them going 3-13. and 13. I know that's brutal. I know Jets fans are furious. And I'm happy to be wrong if I'm wrong. But I think if I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong by like two wins. They might go, what's the, what, 5-11? and, tw- five and 11? They could go 5-11. and 11. Woo! And then the Jets fans will go. Or maybe maybe they go 6-10. and 10. Whoa! And the Jets fans will go, See, Zach, you were wrong. They went 6-10. and 10. But the bottom line is, I don't have high expectations from the Jets this year. And my guess is if you're a Jets fan with any kind of self-awareness, you probably don't have high expectations this year either. Okay, let's shift gears to the AFC North. I want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens first. So I believe the Baltimore Ravens are going to go 12-4 and in 2020. Here's the scariest sentence from any of my NFL predictions. Listen to this. 
Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson just won the NFL MVP, and yet he's still getting better. Oh my goodness. Lamar Jackson, I believe, is going to destroy the NFL this year. The Ravens in general are in a position to dominate in 2020. They have two running backs I like. They have Mark Ingram, the starter from last year. They have they drafted Ohio State running back J.K. Dobbins. In the second round, they have stud young receiver. Um, what is his name? Marquise Hollywood. I just call him Hollywood. I forget his first name all the time. Marquise Hollywood Brown. That's a dynamic duo in the making. Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson. They're going to be fun to watch this year. They have a stud tight end, Mark Andrews. The Ravens had a dominant offensive line last year. They did lose guard. Marshall Yonda, um, but I still feel really good about this group of offensive linemen. And then their defense, man. They traded for Jaguars defensive end Calais Campbell. It's a big move. They drafted linebacker Patrick Queen in the first round of the NFL draft out of LSU. He's a starter. There are two corners I like in Baltimore. You have Marcus Peters, a talented risk taker, but I will say the Ravens have really helped him kind of find his spot. He's been a little less aggressive and a little more disciplined, which has been huge in Baltimore. You have Marlon Humphreys, another good corner. They have the best kicker in the NFL, Justin Tucker. And so that if you're a Ravens fan and the Ravens are in a close game at the end, you can be confident they have a guy who can win them the game at the end of a close game. And it seems like, I want to talk about Earl Thomas because Earl Thomas, it was very surprising when they suddenly released Earl Thomas during training camp. A incredibly good, really historically good Safety, a guy that we'll talk about for a long time. Remember how great Earl Thomas was? And so cutting him normally seems very counterintuitive, but given what I've heard about the Ravens and about how that all went down, it seems like a net positive where he was a locker room problem, kind of a headache. His play was declining anyway. Players were happy to see him go. And so I think in the end, again, Earl Thomas, the way I would put it is it's weird. You don't expect Earl Thomas to get cut. But it does seem like, given what I've heard, a net positive. And at the end of the day, the big reason why I have the Ravens going 12-4 and this year is their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. He is already a superstar. And I expect him to get even better this year. I have the Ravens going 12-4. and And a big part of that is because of the expected development of their young quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Okay, the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe the Steelers are going to go 11-5 and in 2020. To me, this is a playoff team. Last year, their Hall of Fame quarterback, Big Ben, got hurt. And yet somehow the Steelers nearly made the playoffs without him. They played multiple backup quarterbacks, guys you've never heard of. You know, Duck Hodges made a, a name for himself, and I'd never heard of the dude in my entire life. So this year, Big Ben is back, he's healthy. And a quarterback's really all this team was missing last year. The Steelers and the Colts are two teams last year. I went, man, if they just get the quarterback right, they're going to dominate with this roster. And so there's a solid offense. They have running back James Conner. They have receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. His numbers are skewed because of the quarterback situation last year with multiple backup quarterbacks. They signed Eric Ebron, a tight end. They have a solid, consistent offensive line. But the Steelers' defense, man— I love the Steelers' defense. They're awesome. Probably one of the best in the NFL and loaded with a ton of really young, really good players. You have outside linebackers TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. 
I'm also a big fan of inside linebacker Devin Bush. There's this awesome playmaking safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, who just, oh my goodness, go watch the Dolphins last year, Dolphins Steelers. I think he had two interceptions, one like like a 96-yard pick six where I went, oh my goodness, that's a, that's a heck of a play. Maybe it was the Colts he had a big pick six. I know. Dude had play after play after play. I went, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was the Colts. Uh, Brian Hoyer threw the ball. I can see it on my end for the end zone view where Brian Hoyer throws the ball, laid over the middle. Minkovich Patrick <laughs> makes him silly and runs down the entire field for a touchdown. They have a great safety, Terrell Edmonds, who is the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, the Bills linebacker. They're getting defensive end Stephon Tuitt back. He was hurt for a large portion of last year. Uh, corner Joe Hayden is a guy to keep your eyes on where he's 31 years old and he was good last year, but I'm curious if age is slowly going to catch up to Joe Hayden, maybe play a part in a potential decline this year. But again, the only thing that Pittsburgh was missing last year was a quarterback. And it seems like, man, Big Ben is back. And assuming Big Ben is anything close to what he normally is, you know, the only thing that could hold him back is if Big Ben simply could not play at a high level anymore. But I expect they're getting a future Hall of Fame quarterback back on their roster. That's going to really elevate them. And the Steelers are already a good team. They deserve a lot of respect. When you add Big Ben to that team, you go, wow, this is a playoff team poised to do really, really well in 2020. <sighs> Cleveland, man. Oh, my goodness. We got to talk about Cleveland. By the way, I don't think you can hear it on the microphone. Outside, there's literally like the craziest windstorm I've ever heard or seen in my entire life. Outside, I live in the Portland, Oregon area. There's wildfire smoke from California. It's just like, it's just blowing like crazy. I'm sure the microphone's not picking it up. But I hear, I hear a constant banging of the wind on the windows outside where I live. And it's just like, it's very off-putting. I'm sure, I'm sure you cannot hear it. I have no doubt that it's too quiet for you to hear because of the microphone. Even if I move really far away, you can barely hear what I say as I move farther away. Um, but it's just, it's weird to be here recording while the wind is like, boom, boom, all around you. So let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, that weird tangent. I have the Cleveland Browns going 9-7 and seven in 2020. They have a new coach, Kevin Stefanski. They have a new general manager, Andrew Barry from the Eagles. Uh, they really badly needed an overhaul at coach. Their coach cost them a lot last year with bad play design, bad game planning. For whatever reason, they didn't target Odell Beckham Jr. on key downs. He was hurt last year. The offensive line had weird decision-making. There was a lot of stuff that went, this is just bad coaching. And then the old general manager, he brought in good talent, but he did seem to disregard chemistry and fit. And so the moves the Browns have made, I like. Uh, I like where they're headed. They have an offensive-minded head coach to help their young quarterback, Baker Mayfield. But the pressure's on Baker Mayfield, man. He has been put in a good situation. This is a situation where Baker's got two good running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Two good, if not great, receivers, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Two tight ends, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. An upgraded offensive line. They brought in uh, right tackle Jack Conklin from Tennessee. They gave him a three-year, $42 million deal. The Browns also drafted left tackle Jedrick Wills, a 10th overall from Alabama. The Browns are making moves to support their young QB. He has got to reward that support with some wins and some better play. There's not a single move this offseason that the Browns made that I don't like. I like everything they did. In fact, they even brought in a really solid backup QB, Case Keenum. In case something happens to Baker Mayfield 
or if he plays bad and they got to bench him for whatever reason, then Case can come in and play well enough to win games. I like what the Browns are doing. They upgraded in so many ways, and I, I hope it works. I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of the Browns because every year it feels like, oh, they made a bunch of changes, and is this the year? And uh, I, I'm going to be reserved in my support of the Browns because I'm like, ah, we'll see if it works out, but I hope it works out. Now, on defense, the biggest name that stands out is Miles Garrett, their defensive end. And I like their D-line all around anyway. They have Sheldon Richardson. They have Olivier Vernon. There's some good players here. And then you look at, wow, they got a really good situation at corner. They have Denzel Ward, who was the 2018 fourth overall pick behind, you know, who, who was drafted? Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield, then Denzel Ward. No one talks about him. He's a really good corner. You have, he's paired up with second-year corner Greedy Williams, who I really like. The Browns' biggest question mark is at linebacker. How can they stop the run? Miles Garrett can get after the quarterback. They've got some good pass defenders at corner. How will the Browns play at linebacker? I think they're going to give up a couple games where teams run the ball really well against them because of their lack of talent and depth at linebacker. But I got to say, it, it feels like they're building something. I don't trust Cleveland at all, but I like the moves they're making. Although, again, I've been saying that for years, so that's why I'm very skeptical of Cleveland. I have them going 9-7. and seven. I expect them to run the ball a lot, uh, and there's no excuse. Baker Mayfield had better play well. It's the time that Baker Mayfield needs to step up. He's got a good head coach. He's got great players around him, an improved offensive line. Baker has to get better this year. I don't want to say what happens if he doesn't. But I'll just leave it here. Baker, I'm expecting him to make a big step forward this year. And it's got to happen. Baker Mayfield needs to deliver with the good pieces around him this year in Cleveland in 2020. So I, I love the city of Cincinnati. It pains me to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals sometimes because their fan base thinks I hate them. And I don't. I, I love the city of Cincinnati. I love Joe Burrow, their quarterback. Their coach, Zach Taylor, spells his name Z-A-C exactly like I do, which is rare to find. And I got to say, when I think about the 2020 Cincinnati Bengals, the word that comes to mind for me is fun. It's going to be a fun year. And that's a really, really big improvement from last year. The team has problems. I, I agree. I believe that. Uh, but they're going to be worth watching. So first of all, they have rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. Heisman winner, number one overall pick. He's a stud. You have running back Joe Mixon. I love him. He got a big contract, well-deserved. You have an awesome rookie receiver, T. Higgins. You also have two good receivers, A.J. Green and John Ross. I like A.J. Green a ton, but they got to stay healthy. John Ross and A.J. Green have been consistently injured for a long time. They got to stay healthy. The Bengals are also getting back Jonah Williams, a left tackle. He was a the 2019 11th overall pick out of Alabama last year, but he missed the entire year with a shoulder injury. That's a big deal. And other than Jonah Williams, the offensive line is pretty meh, and the tight ends are pretty meh, and the defense is a lot of meh. They're, they're fine. They're not that interesting. I like Carlos Dunlap. Uh, they did add DJ Reader, a defensive tackle. That's a nice move. And the Bengals' big free agent signing, cornerback Trey Waynes, unfortunately... He's going to miss a ton of the season. Two months is expected because of a pectoral injury. Now, in the end, I believe the Bengals are going to go 4-12. Four 4-12. and 12. Four, and 12. four wins and 12 losses, but a very good 4-12. and 12. Very fun. 
They're interesting. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to put up a fight. It reminds me a lot of the Arizona Cardinals last year with Kyler Murray as a rookie. Where it, Look at Week 12. Week 12, you have the Giants and the Bengals. And that's an interesting game. I think they're going to... The Bengals could win. It could be interesting. It could be fun. And I also got to say, if I'm going to talk about the Bengals, I am so, so impressed with their quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's a rookie. His maturity really stands out. Everything he's saying, the way he's carrying himself, the messages he's putting out, the way he's playing in training camp, he takes it very seriously. And he understands the big effort in front of him. But it seems like, man, if anybody can turn around the Cincinnati Bengals and become the quarterback they need, it's Joe Burrow. It seems like he has what it takes to turn around the Bengals. I don't envy him. He's got a really hard road ahead of him. But Joe Burrow appears to have the grit and the resolve to make it happen. And I got to say, I am rooting for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati this year. I I think it's going to be a team with maybe not a ton of wins, but a lot of fun and a year of growth. And I think if they can go 4-12 and and play in a lot of close games, put up a fight, score a lot of points, that's a victory this year. And this year is all about building for next year. Letting Joe Burrow have a year in the NFL, feel out things and see what happens. I talked to Flemlo Raps, who is a, he's another Bengals fan. He kind of agrees with me that, man, it's going to be, the word he used is fun as well. I think it's a great way to put it. I see a fun year ahead for the 2020 Cincinnati Bengals. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the AFC West. We'll talk about the AFC South. That's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's Derek Carr, John Gruden, the Raiders, Philip Rivers and the Colts, uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans. A lot more stuff ahead. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. I want to now talk about the AFC West. I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go 12-4 and four in 2020. People need to understand They just won a Super Bowl, and yet they upgraded. They got better. There weren't really any notable departures this year for the Chiefs, but there were a couple notable additions that people need to pay attention to. First of all, their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, he needs no introduction. He's been in the league for three years. He's won an NFL MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. He's unbelievable. Receivers, they have McCole Hardman, they have Tyreek Hill, they have Sammy Watkins, they have a star tight end, Travis Kelsey. Now here's what really, really gets me going, what really, really excites me. They drafted running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. He creates matchup nightmares for defenses playing Kansas City. He runs well, and linebackers are really going to struggle to guard him in the passing game. Then you got to consider, oh yeah, Andy Reid, the Chiefs head coach, is a master at creating screen plays and screen opportunities. They're going to use Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to his maximum potential. And I really couldn't think of a better fit in the entire NFL for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's going to be terrifying to watch them play with him. The Ridge got richer with that move. Kansas City has a great offensive line. My favorite player on their defense is Tyran Matthew. The dude can ball. They have two good defensive linemen. Chris Jones and Frank Clark. In my opinion, the Kansas City Chiefs are set up to dominate in 2020. I see them going 12 and 4. They might win the Super Bowl again. Let's now talk about the Denver Broncos. I believe the Denver Broncos are going to go 11 and 5 in 2020. This team improved a ton 
in the offseason. It's really ridiculous how much better they got. They added defensive lineman Jarrell Casey. They added right guard Graham Glasgow from Detroit. They signed running back Melvin Gordon. They traded for cornerback A.J. Boye from the Jaguars. They drafted two, not one, but two awesome receivers. They got Jerry Judy, 15th overall out of Alabama, and they got K.J. Hamler from Penn State in the second round. Then you consider the pieces that Denver already has. They have young, promising quarterback Drew Locke. They have receiver Cortland Sutton, who... Man, you got to double-team him. He's incredible. You have star tight end Noah Fant, who's unbelievable. And nobody's really talking about it. He makes big play after big play. He was awesome last year. You're running back Phillip Lindsay. It's just terrifying what the Broncos have become. Oh, yeah, by the way, Denver got a new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, a guy who I think was a bad head coach, but really, really clearly is a great offensive coordinator. He was awesome in Minnesota with Case Keenum. It took Case Keenum. Deep into the playoffs. That's unbelievable. On defense, they have Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb on the edge. The Broncos got way better in every single way a team can improve. Their offensive line, their receivers, they have a ton of talent. I don't know who you guard because you got KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. It's a mess. You now have two running backs, Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay. Both of them are high-quality starting caliber running backs. Their defensive line got even better by adding Jarrell Casey. You could argue with me about their secondary if you want. They did lose Chris Harris Jr. uh, to the Chargers, but they did trade for A.J. Boye. That's a big move. Feels like they replaced him well enough. I am telling people, do not ignore the Denver Broncos. They are a phenomenal football team. The talent they have. I, I get it's not Madden. I understand that you can add a bunch of talent. It may not work, but I really think that everything they've added, I'm telling you, I really, really buy into Denver. Now, the key here, though, is their young quarterback, Drew Locke. Uh, He's got to develop. He's got to get better. But if he plays near the way he did last year, they're going to do incredibly well anyway. If he gets better, that's a bonus, man. And I'm telling you, they have really done so many things to build around their young quarterback, helping him succeed. Other teams can really learn from Denver. This is how you build around a young team. Look at what Denver's done. The weapons they have around him, the defense they have around him, the offensive coordinator they got. There are so many good things around Drew Locke. I'm just personally excited. I believe in Drew Locke. I believe in the Broncos. I have them going 11-5 and five and having a great, great year in 2020. I believe the Las Vegas Raiders, the newly minted Las Vegas Raiders, I believe the Raiders are going to go 7-9 and nine in 2020. And this pick is going to make a lot of people angry. Because the Raiders have gotten a little bit better. They've made improvements to their team. And as you add good players, a fan base will expect more wins. And I totally understand that. I get it. The problem here is that there's only so many wins to go around. And the Raiders are better in 2020 than they were last year. But the Broncos in Denver are way, way, way better. And the Kansas City Chiefs are a dominant football team. They play both of those teams twice Next year, or I guess this year, because it's 2020 already. Season starts in like two days. They also play the Saints. They play Buffalo. They play Tampa Bay. They play the Colts. They play the Patriots. I like what the Raiders are doing. They're getting better. But unfortunately, getting better does not necessarily mean a ton of winning football games. I just, it's the harsh truth that I think people need to hear. Now, the Raiders are in a good position. This is going to be a year of growth. They're going to get better this year, and they are better this year than they were last year. They added a much-needed rookie receiver 
Henry Ruggs from Alabama. He was the first receiver picked in the NFL draft. He's a big playmaker. He's made a huge impact already in training camp. It's going to be awesome to watch Henry Ruggs and John Gruden's offense. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a blast. You have Hunter Renfro, a solid second-year slot receiver. I just want to see Hunter Renfro get stronger inside when it comes to hand fighting and getting free with a release. There's little moments where you go, ah, Hunter Renfro, you got to catch that ball, even with people on your back, or you got to break free of that press coverage. Little moments like that, I want to see Hunter Renfro get stronger. Running back Josh Jacobs could have, and arguably, you know, you can argue he should have been the rookie of the year last year in the NFL. He's unbelievable. He's a great, great running back. He can catch. He can run. He's great after contact. I love him. The Raiders' offensive line isn't terrible. Going to be fun and interesting. I want to see left tackle Colton Miller continue to make progress. Uh, He's a former first-round pick. The right tackle Trent Brown is interesting, really solid. I like him. And there's a lot of quality on defense for the Las Vegas Raiders as well. There are two defensive ends I like. They have Max Crosby. They have Cleveland Farrell. Jonathan Abrams is an awesome safety where last year he had a good training camp, was doing really well, good preseason, then he got hurt. And he only played in one game last year. That's a big loss. So this year, you know, he's a former 2019 first-round pick. He's going to be back, and Jonathan Abrams is going to be healthy. That's a big advantage and a big help and a big boost to the Raiders. Uh, They also, in the first round, picked up Damon Arnett, a corner from Ohio State. He's got great technique. He plays the ball well. They had a linebacker, Corey Littleton, in free agency. I'm excited about the Raiders. You know, I expect them to be a better football team than they were last year, despite the fact I don't see them winning a ton of games. It's, uh, I know it's going to make people upset. I feel torn about it, too. Um, and you got to look at how much better they're going to be. I mean, their secondary had a bunch of injuries last year, not to mention just bad players that got beat a ton. They made their... with. People being healthy and with adding Damon Arnett, their secondary got better. Now, I will say this. As a team last year, the Raiders had way too many weird mistakes and just little things that you can't have go wrong where they had costly penalties. They had missed assignments. Go watch Kansas City versus the Raiders. They had guys get beat constantly. They had team. They had players that fumbled at really bad moments and had fumbles you can't have. Like, there was a play where... Derek Carr went to toss to the running back. The running back wasn't there. It's a really unnecessary, ugly fumble. So the Raiders are a young, growing team. And I expect this year to be a year of progress, but also a year of growth. Now, there's one weird note I want to make. I did a film analysis about their quarterback, Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr a lot. But the Raiders head coach, John Gruden, has a history with his former teams. Look at his stint previously with the Raiders. Look at his stint with the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has kind of a, I would call it quarterback ADD, where he bounces around often with this quarterback and that quarterback, and he cannot seem to pick a guy and stick with him. I think Derek Carr might be already his longest tenured quarterback. It's kind of bizarre. And then guess what the Raiders did this offseason? They went out and they signed quarterback Marcus Mariota out of Tennessee. They gave him a two-year deal worth over 17 million dollars. That's not nothing. It's a sizable amount of money. And it's all weird to me. And I wonder if at some point we're going to find out why did the Raiders bring in Marcus Mariota? Was it because, hey, there's COVID concerns and, you know, they just want to have a solid backup? Maybe that's the case. It's very possible. Maybe, though, it's that John Gruden doesn't actually want Derek Carr. I know that's blasphemous. That's crazy. That's angry. That make, that's that's going to make people angry. 
But I watched the film of Derek Carr, and I like Derek Carr. And if you like your quarterback, you don't make that move. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. And so the something doesn't add up here. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm curious if we'll find out. Why did the Raiders bring in Marcus Mariota, the quarterback from Tennessee? I don't know, but we'll find out. I have the Raiders going 7-9 and nine in 2020. I know that's harsh. Um, I hope they do better. I'm rooting for the Raiders. I like John Gruden. I like their new stadium. I like Derek Carr. There's so many compelling people and stories in Las Vegas with the Raiders. But again, at the end of the day, I see them going seven and nine. They've got a tough schedule. They're, they're, you know, what do they call their division? The AFC West is outstanding. And I think because of all that, the Raiders are going to go seven and nine. Oh, LA. Oh, LA. Thank goodness. No one's in the stands this year. So no one can watch LA. Uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. I I just, I don't want to get into it. I like LA. It's just funny. Like, I think they got this new stadium, SoFi Stadium. I think if the L.A. Chargers had people in the stands, it might be empty anyway, which is unfortunate, but it's honest. I have the L.A. Chargers going 6-10 and 10 in 2020. This was a tough one for me because this team is a lot more talented than a 6-10 and 10 record, which is, I'm torn here. I like their head coach, Anthony Lynn. You've got two stud receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, although I will say Mike Williams is... In, he's injured right now. He's got a shoulder injury. He's questionable for week one. They have a great receiving running back, Austin Eckler. On defense, they have two really scary defensive ends. They have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. They have some quality corners. They have Chris Harris Jr. They have Casey Hayward Jr. They have a slot corner, Desmond King. I like some of the pieces that L.A. has. You know, they drafted linebacker Kenneth Murray in the first round. I think Kenneth Murray is more of a project player that could be very, very good down the road where he's high effort, he's really athletic, he's also really raw. And what comes with his really high level of physical ability also comes a lot of mistakes, a lot of missed assignments and little things where he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time because of a decision he made chasing down the wrong gap or something. So I'm not sure that Kenneth Murray is the answer yet to help them beat Kansas City because they need speed. I mean, the Chiefs are so fast. They've got Travis Kelsey, the Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know that Kenneth Murray is the answer yet. They're a linebacker out of Oklahoma, but I think eventually he could develop into the right guy. Now, there's a big problem where safety Derwin James, just an incredible outstanding safety, is going to be out for the entire year with a knee injury. That's a massive, massive loss to this team and to this defense. And here's my big concern for L.A., I really like their starting quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor is historically undervalued and underappreciated. He's very capable. He's very good at doing the job. Um, he should start for the majority of the year in L.A. He's the right leader for the Chargers. He's awesome. Again, very, very underappreciated quarterback. And remember, he took the Bills to the playoffs like three years ago where it was the first time the Bills had made the playoffs, I think in like 12 or some ridiculous amount of years where you're like, man, Tyrod Taylor. This is awesome. This is fun. And they turned right around and replaced him with Josh Allen. And I, I feel bad. Tyrod Taylor's kind of gotten the short end of the stick over and over and over again. Now, the Chargers drafted quarterback Justin Herbert, number six overall. My big fear is that they're going to rush him onto the field. They're going to play him too early. It's going to hurt their season. It's also going to hurt Justin Herbert's development as a quarterback. There's no reason to rush. There's no hurry. He's not ready. Let him sit. 
I mean, fan, again, fans aren't coming to games anyway. There, there's COVID. So you're not going to worry about playing Justin Herbert to fill your stadium. That doesn't make any sense. And so if they're patient with Justin Herbert, it could work out really, really well. But if the Chargers decide to play him too early before he's ready, it could derail everything. And I think the Chargers quarterback situation is the most interesting storyline to follow with this football team. Are they going to stick with Tyrod Taylor? Are they going to be patient? Or are they going to force some Justin Herbert onto the field too early? I think it's unlikely that they stay patient. That's a storyline to track for the 2020 LA Chargers. Okay, let's talk about the AFC South. Oh my goodness. The Colts, the Texans, the Titans, Ryan Tannehill. How good is he? It'll be fun. So, I believe the Colts are going to go 11-5 and five in 2020. Last year, all this team needed was a quarterback. And guess what? This year, Indianapolis, they have a quarterback. They brought in Phillip Rivers, the veteran quarterback out of L.A. And I did a whole film analysis on Phillip Rivers, how he played last year. He's a bit of a gambler. He takes risks that I think are often unnecessary. But he also, I have to say, to give him the benefit of the doubt, regularly he was playing from behind. I mean, he had to take risks to try to get his team back into games because his defense was bad last year. And Phillip Rivers is highly capable. I think regardless of how good or not he is, no matter what happens, Phillip Rivers is going to be a ton of fun to watch with the Colts in Indianapolis. I like their head coach, Frank Reich. They have two running backs I like. They have Marlon Mack, the starter from last year. They also drafted a stud rookie from Wisconsin in the second round. That is Jonathan Taylor, a guy who at one point was a Heisman favorite even out of Wisconsin. They don't really have a receiving scat back. They have nobody like Austin Eckler, who Phillip Rivers had with the Chargers last year in the last couple of years. Uh, I think he's going to miss that skill set, a guy who's a quick kind of scat receiving running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. It makes me wonder if they're going to have a lot of swing passes in their offense. I don't know because they don't really have a running back that fits that type of thing. And that's something Phillip Rivers has traditionally really loved to do. It's to swing the ball out wide to his receipt to his running backs. Now I love T Y Hilton. I think T Y Hilton kind of reminds me actually of there's a lot of, there's a couple guys in the NFL that are very underrated. Now Tyrod Taylor is criminally underrated. So is T.Y. Hilton. He's an incredible, incredible receiver. Very technical, on time, polished, does all the little things right, works very hard. But I think regardless of how good T.Y. Hilton is, it's hard to not acknowledge that Phillip Rivers got a downgrade at receiver from last year to this year. He had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams last year. This year, he's got T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, a second-round receiver, uh, from USC. Now, I do encourage people, go watch the USC versus Utah game last year. USC had a third-string quarterback playing in that game. And yet, somehow, Michael Pittman won that game almost by himself. I mean, he, many, many times, over and over again, you know, he beat man coverage. He had crazy jump ball catches where he beat double teams. I mean, Michael Pittman put on a show last year against the University of Utah. So, I think... It's interesting to watch. How good is Michael Pittman? He's had some drops in training camp. We'll find out. If he turns out to be a star receiver, hey, big win. Phillip Rivers is going to play great, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. I think Phillip Rivers would say something like that. His vocabulary says, golly, instead of F-bombs. It's kind of fun to watch Phillip Rivers. Um, The Colts also have receiver Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. They have tight end. and That's not recently. He's, I mean, he's not a new draft pick. He's been in the NFL for a year or two. 
They have tight end Jack Doyle. They also have an incredible offensive line in Indianapolis, led by none other than Quentin Nelson, an incredible guard. Uh, and for Philip Rivers, I think this is an incredibly massive and very, very important upgrade. He has a similar receiving core that's maybe not quite as good, but the offensive line in Indianapolis is way, way, way better than he had last year in L.A., and that's a much more important part of their offense than I think receivers are. Phillip Rivers is going to have a field day playing behind this offensive line. The Colts' defense is scary. Uh, they traded for D-tackle DeForest Buckner, who helped the 49ers get to a Super Bowl last year. They have Darius Leonard, a dominant linebacker. They also have linebacker Bobby Okariki, who I really like. One concern is the Colts' secondary, where you know Malik Hooker, for example, is a guy who has kind of a reputation for being unreliable back there, guard and defending passes. Um, but their front seven is going to help to alleviate and take some of the pressure off of their secondary. All in all, man, do not overlook the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be easy to do. They're boring. They run the ball well. Philip Rivers is kind of largely unknown because he spent most of his career, well, his entire career so far, with the Chargers down in the corner of the west coast of our country. I am telling you, the Colts are very good. They're going to make a lot of noise this year. I mean, look at week two, the Colts against the Vikings. That's a game that I think we're going to talk about for a lot of this year. Maybe not, but if you love football, I mean, that game is like a... It's like a Big Ten game where you have two teams that run the ball really well, Minnesota and Indianapolis. You have, they play great defense. I cannot, you can, it's seething off of me. I cannot wait to watch the Colts this year. Phillip Rivers, great defense, some interesting schemes on offense. Is Michael Pittman going to work? I don't know. I think, I hope so. I am telling you, the Colts are going to be really, really good this year and a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Okay, Tennessee. I need some, uh, some juice first. Ooh. I have the Tennessee Titans going 9-7 and seven in 2020. On offense, they have quarterback Ryan Tannehill. He's not a flashy quarterback, but I will say to his credit, last year Tannehill made some key plays and very important key moments. Running back Derrick Henry is the centerpiece of the Titans offense. He's a bruiser. He runs the ball well after contact. Receiver A.J. Green is going into his second year. He had a great rookie season, was a standout, maybe the best receiver as a rookie last year. Him, Terry McLaurin, and D.K. Metcalf were all in that conversation. Corey Davis has never really had a breakout year at receiver. Maybe having Ryan Tannehill in his second year more comfortable with him will help him. Uh, I will say Corey Davis is very talented physically, like a really a talented receiver where he was even the number five overall pick in 2017 in the NFL draft. First round, fifth overall. That's a big deal. And so I'm hoping that Corey Davis can become a breakout receiver this year. I don't know. It'd be cool to see that. The Titans have a good offensive line. Left tackle Taylor Lewan stands out for them. Uh, on defense, the Titans have two good corners, Malcolm Butler or Dory Jackson. They signed defensive end Jadavian Clowney, who worked with the Titans head coach Mike Vrabel previously in Houston. And I had a conversation a while back on the show. I had Brett Coleman on, a guy who I love, who's a, I consider a friend. Brett Coleman came on. He said that Jadavian Clowney is a good number two. He's more of a Robin as a secondary guy who can help support another defensive end. He's more Robin than he is Batman. Uh, and the Titans' other defensive end is Jeffrey Simmons. He was the 19th overall pick in the first round of the 2019 last year's NFL draft. 
I'm excited to watch Jeffrey Simmons' progression. Can him and Jadavian Clowney become a dynamic duo on the defensive line in the NFL? I don't know, but man, I'd love to see that. Now, Tennessee did trade away defensive lineman Jarrell Casey uh, to the Broncos. They had to save money on cap space. They got rid of Jarrell Casey. But all in all, man, the Titans are a good team. They have no glaring problems, but there's not really anything flashy about them either. Uh, they're just kind of a, a good, solid, sound football team. I have them at 9-7, and seven, but I'll, I'm curious. Can the Titans exceed my expectations? I don't know. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, not very flashy. Derrick Henry is great, but they rely on him heavily. Can Corey Davis have a breakout year? How good really is the linebacking core in Tennessee? I don't know. We'll find out. They made a couple okay moves. I just, I'm curious. How is Tennessee going to develop? I don't know. Uh, I see them at 9-7, and seven, but it'll be interesting. This is a team that could exceed my expectations if key players play really, really well for the Tennessee Titans. Houston, man. Oh, my gosh. I believe the Houston Texans are going to go 8-8 eight and eight this year in 2020. So, number one, they have a special quarterback, Deshaun Watson. I love him. He's great. Um, I think he is the, the featured franchise player, pretty obviously, in Houston. There are a couple interesting offensive pieces on the Texans. They have running back David Johnson, who's very solid. I think it's laughable that they traded him for... DeAndre Hopkins, that's kind of crazy to me. But let's not let it get lost in that narrative. David Johnson's a good running back. He can run well. He catches really well out of the backfield. I, he's still a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. He can play. He just never should have been in the conversation for a trade with DeAndre Hopkins, if that makes sense. I, I feel bad almost for the way he was introduced to this fan base because he's never going to live up to the impact DeAndre Hopkins had. But David Johnson's still a good player. So is running back Duke Johnson, the backup running back. Uh, Will Fuller is their best receiver. They also added running, uh, receiver Randall Cobb and receiver Brandon Cooks. They traded for Brandon Cooks. A lot of people are very skeptical of Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks. Randall Cobb is 31. Brandon Cooks is 26. But he's been on the decline a little bit. I want to say this, though. With a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, they're going to be okay. Deshaun Watson is going to elevate Brandon Cooks and elevate Randall Cobb. And I think in the end, they're going to be an interesting receiving pair for them paired with Will Fuller. It's going to be better than people realize. Everyone's really, really down on the Texans. They're not all bad. Here's where things start to get bad. Uh, first of all, I like that they have three-time defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt, but he's got to stay healthy. He's good. Got to be healthy. Uh, they have Whitney Marcellus is their standout linebacker. But, man, the secondary for the Texans is... A revolving door. I have very, very little faith in the Texans' secondary, their ability to defend passes. Uh, they need help from a pass rush, and unfortunately, the Texans' defensive line got worse. They lost DJ Reader to the Bengals. And so I, the Texans' defense, hate to say it, they're just not better than they were last year. They got worse. Uh, they have Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle. He stands out on the offensive line. But really, to me, unfortunately, the Texans are going to rely almost completely on their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, this year. And that's, ooh, I, I love him. I love Deshaun Watson. He's going to try to be Superman, but I don't know that that's a realistic task. I mean, I, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think your quarterback should have to try to be Superman all the time in order for you to win. The team around Deshaun Watson isn't that great, and that's why Houston is going to go 8-8, eight and eight, in my opinion. The Jaguars, man. Um... 
I got to drink some water for this one. This is a the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk about them next. I believe the Jaguars are going to go 2-14 in 2020. The team in Jacksonville, this offseason, they might as well have had a fire sale sign in front of their building. Fire sale. Everything must go. Because I really believe the Jaguars are tanking, and this is how tanking works. The players and coaches are not tanking. Players and coaches are trying to win. Uh, the players need to bust their butts to try to put good stuff on film. I mean, they are working hard for their next job. So are coaches. They got to try to earn their next opportunity in the NFL. Coaches are scheming to win. They're taking the team they're given. Coaches are trying every week to build a game plan that can win a football game. But the Jaguars front office has been tanking by letting go of any and all talent. It's a fire sale. They're trading for any talent they have. They're trying to trade for whoever they can and get a draft pick. And if they can't trade you away, look at Leonard Fournette. They're going to release you. Here are some notable departures for the Jaguars. They traded defensive end Yannick Ngakwe to the Vikings. They traded A.J. Boye to the Broncos. They traded Ronnie Harrison to safety to the Browns. They released running back Leonard Fournette. Uh, there have been so many departures in the last year. It's kind of unbelievable like how many players the Jaguars have let go, how much talent they've let walk out of their building. And, I mean, the Jaguars have removed so much talent from their roster. I look around and go, what's left? And what's left is like five good players. They have Gardner Minshew, a second-year quarterback who I love. I've met him. I've shook his hand. He's an incredible, incredible quarterback. Uh, that's a little overstating things. He's very, very good. He's a guy who is... A quality starter who's better than people realize, but he's definitely not going to do great uh, with this Jaguars team. I, I don't want to over-inflammatize him. Is that a word? I don't want to. I don't want to be over-inflammatory. Gardner Minshew is a very good quarterback who has a promising future, in my opinion. If he can get out of Jacksonville, go to a good team that'll actually support him. But he's not going to do very well with this team this year. I think he's going to do really, really badly. And the Jaguars are going to say, "Well, he sucks." They're not going to support him. They're going to let him do bad. Then they're going to get rid of him and draft. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson. Uh, they have DJ Chark, a solid number one receiver. He's a guy who, as the Jaguars rebuild moving forward, DJ Chark is a guy they want to build around. Now, a receiver that I like, they have LaVisca Chenault, who is a receiver from Colorado, uh, a rookie. He's got something to prove here, but in college he broke tackles. He had some good jump balls. He's an interesting receiver. He's got some drops occasionally, but I, I think that LaVisca Chenault is very interesting. The Jaguars also have linebacker Miles Jack. They have defensive end Josh Allen, a first-round pick from 2019. The Jaguars have, like, literally five solid, interesting players. But otherwise, they're almost completely devoid of talent. They're not trying to win. They're trying to—I think they're trying to lose and keep whatever talent they have. And if they can't keep you, they're going to trade you away and get draft picks for you. And I will say it'll be cool to watch— a couple guys in the Jaguars get opportunities that would not normally get opportunities. We'll see guys try to prove themselves. Um, and it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a guy or two on the Jaguars that is a no-name guy who is like a sixth-round pick who no one expects to be good, and he's going to play well, like a random corner or a random right guard or maybe a random tight end. Somebody is going to step up and play better than expected in Jacksonville and make a name for themselves. And that's going to be interesting. That, I think, is the sole reason— to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020. Who is the unexpected surprise of their roster? But otherwise, man, I think the Jaguars are going to go 2-14. and 14. 
it's going to be a pretty crappy, pretty ugly year. And I think that's unfortunately exactly what the Jaguars want. They're not trying to win. They're not trying to build a winning football team. They're trying to get assets for next year's NFL draft. And I, I kind of understand, but it's just not fun to watch. Now, I will say, by the way, the Jaguars could pick up an extra win week eight. They're going to be coming off of a bye week. They're going to be playing the L.A. Chargers. And they might be a te- uh, the Chargers might be a team that has injuries. They already lost. Uh, Mike Williams is already banged up. They lost Derwin James for the year. And the Chargers also might have a rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, playing by that time. So week eight, Jaguars, Chargers, that's an opportunity where the Jags could win. But unfortunately, I think that's unlikely. I don't know the Jaguars are going to win that game on paper. The Chargers are a better team. But again, if people get hurt and if the Chargers have a rookie quarterback, maybe the Jaguars also win week eight and get three wins and go three and 13 instead of two and 14. But again, I think the Jaguars are going to be the worst team in the NFL. I don't think they're trying to hide that. I think they're trying to get the number one overall pick and draft Trevor Lawrence in the NFL draft. I know it's conspiratorial, but again, you got to understand how tanking works. It's not about the players, the players, the coaches. They're trying to win. Unfortunately, the front office, they're getting rid of all the talent they have. And to me, it's pretty clear. Yeah, they're not trying to win football games. Okay, guys, let's run through it again. The AFC North, I have the Ravens going 12-4. and the Steelers going 11 and 5, the Cleveland Browns going 9 and 7, the Bengals going 4 and 12. In the AFC South, I have the Colts and Philip Rivers going 11 and 5, the Titans and Ryan Tannehill, they're going to go 9 and 7. The Texans, Deshaun Watson trying to play Superman, it's not going to be quite enough. I have the Texans going 8 and 8 and I have the Jaguars who I think are tanking going 2 and 14. In the AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills really, really rising to the occasion. This is their year. In my opinion, they're going to go 12-4. and four. The Patriots, I love some of their pieces. I love Cam Newton. I love Bill Belichick, their head coach. Unfortunately, they just lost way too many pieces to me to still have a winning football team. I think the Patriots are going to go 9-7. and seven. The Dolphins, I see them having a building year but going 7-9 and nine ultimately. The Jets are terrible. Their defense is bad. Uh, There's not a lot of reasons to watch. I want to watch Denzel Mims and Sam Darnold. That'll be fun. But ultimately, I see the New York Jets going 3-13. and The AFC West, that's going to be interesting. We have the Chiefs, who I think are, they won the Super Bowl, and they got a little bit better, which is terrifying. They're going to go 12-4. and The Broncos are way better, way, way, way better. This is how you support a young, young second-year quarterback, Drew Locke. The Broncos, in my opinion, are going to go 11-5. and The Raiders are going to go 7-9. and They got a little bit better. I like the moves they made. Unfortunately, the teams around them, their, rec- their, their schedule, and the teams in their division got way, way, way better. And the Chargers, I think, are going to go 6-10. and 10. They're a little better than 6-10 and 10 on paper, but things go wrong, and they're going to screw up their quarterback situation. So I have the Chargers going 6-10. and 10. Uh, In the playoffs, in the AFC, I have the first three seeds are the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Bills. They will all be 12-4. and four. The number four seed in the AFC will be the Colts at 11-5. and five. The three wild card teams will be Denver and Pittsburgh at 11-5. and five. The Steelers and the Broncos both will be 11-5. and five. And the final wild card team, in my opinion, is going to either be the Patriots or the Titans. They're both 9-7. and seven. They will both be 4-2 and two in their division. I don't really want to do the math to figure out what other thing you know, plays a part in that. Um, the Browns are also 9-7, and seven, and they are also 4-2. and two. In their division, but unfortunately, the Browns, 
I have losing a head-to-head matchup with the Tennessee Titans, so I think the Browns are not going to make the playoffs. But again, they could. They're right at the bubble. They're right at a cusp kind of fringe playoff team. Pay attention to the Cleveland Browns. They're going to be a little bit better this year. But in the end, that is how I see the AFC ultimately working out. The Ravens, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Colts, the Broncos, the Steelers, and probably the Patriots making it into the playoffs with a really, really close but just missed it by the Tennessee Titans and the 9-7 and Cleveland Browns. That is how I see the AFC working out, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. That is all I have. Hope you have a great day tomorrow. I'll be recording and putting out the NFC predictions. It's going to be wild and fun. Hope you have a great day. But um bum bam, we are done.